and spread. Let me just pray one more time for us. Father, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Father, we pray that as we open it now, that it would help us, that it would help us see in which way you'd have us go. And Lord, it would help us lift our eyes to the truth about you. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've watched the programme, The Street, looking around, seeing some blank faces. Maybe you'll recognise it as Grand Designs, The Street, uh, films just around the corner at Graven Hill. Um, If you're completely unfamiliar with the concept or the programme, essentially Grand Designs tracks uh, the building project of someone who's decided to build their own home. Now, uh, up at Graven Hill, around the corner, the street uh, is a street in which a number of developers chose plots and developed their own homes. Um, it's quite interesting, quirky designs. What's really interesting is how the, uh, the building projects progress. Um, but if you've watched the programme, you'll probably remember the, the sad stories that hold up the, the, um, the developments. If you've been around there, I, every now and again, I uh, go around there in the car or sometimes walk. Uh, I know that some of you run around there. Um, but if you've been around there, often as you go around those houses, they're all about a bit quirky and a bit different. But every time you go, there, there's always one in a state of disrepair. There's always unfinished buildings, unfinished projects. And the sad reality of the programme is... We saw all kinds of things that slowed the building project. There was relationship breakups. There was lack of money. There was mistakes in planning. There was lack of materials. There was all kinds of things that got in the way of the project. Of building a home. Now, as we come to the next part of the book of Acts, we see a project that nothing can get in the way of. Remember we've seen uh, and we've called this series Mission Unstoppable. Well, this afternoon we'll see that nothing will stop Mission Unstoppable spreading to all kinds of people. God will build his church with all kinds of people. Because while we see in the beginning of the book of Acts, the church is growing and we've seen some some brilliant moments as thousands of people have been baptised and and people are turning to trust in the good news of the Lord Jesus, what we also see through the book of Acts is that the opposition to the message is growing too. Have a look down at verse 1 and 2. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. That's the opposition to the church, the the hardening opposition. And see how Herod, he's using it as a tool to win favour of the Jews, to elevate his own standing, to secure his own position. Herod here is the grandson of Herod the Great, and he wants the favour of the Jews. Look at verse 3. Here's his motivation for arresting Peter. When he saw that this, that's the, the killing of James, was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. 
when he saw that the Jews liked him and liked what was going on because of him, when followers of Jesus were killed, he thought, yeah, I'll do that again. I'll keep going. He was desperate for the Jews' favour. And you notice over the last few chapters, we've seen a bit of a blurring of this distinction between Jew and Gentile. Last week, we saw God reveal that there's no longer clean and unclean. Remember that sentence that was repeated as the uh, sheet with the reptiles came on? No longer clean and unclean. It's a hugely significant moment in the Bible's history as there's now no race and there's now no place that God specifically raises up a people from. But we've seen as well that the Jewish nation wants God's chosen people have increasingly become opponents to this gospel message. Acts 2, verse 23, addresses people of Israel. This man was handed over to you, and you put him to death. It's a charge against the people of Israel. So increasingly we see that Jew-Gentile divide is blurring. And we see also that the definition of the church is sharpening. Because of developments elsewhere in Antioch, it's accepted that uncircumcised Gentiles will now become full members of the church. And what that means is there's no protection for the church within a Jewish society. Entry into the church is based on how an individual responds to this good news of the Lord Jesus. And so what that means is, in Jerusalem, it is becoming an increasingly difficult place to be a Christian. Because there's no protection. And this is what we're seeing. But God will not let his church die. See, maybe in the broad brushstrokes of Acts, as we see the gospel spread, we forget characters like Stephen and James that suffer and die for the sake of the gospel. But you see, God won't let his mission be held back. He will continue to build his church with all kinds of people. I wonder as you look back on the last 18 months of being around town church or maybe involved in a different church if you're visiting, how is it that we've kept going? Why have people stuck around? How have we made it back to meeting together? Not because of brilliant plans, not because of brilliant responses to government guidance, not because... We've been brilliant, but the answer, God will continue to build his church. And look, here in the book of Acts, in in chapter 12, we see that in the midst of intense persecution, the church prays and God acts to build and preserve his people. Have a look down at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison... But the church 
was earnestly praying to God for him. And if you glance down to verse 15, you get the impression that at least some were gathered in person, in a physical room, gathered together, tucked away, praying intently as Peter was there, held in prison overnight. You can just imagine it, can't you? Individuals crowded round, desperately praying for Peter, captive. Peter in a time of desperate need. Now, I'm sure they would have been praying for his welfare and his safety. But more than that, in light of the context of being followers of Jesus, being sold out to mission unstoppable, sharing the good news of the gospel, they'd have surely been praying that the news about Jesus would continue to spread, that, that Peter himself would remain faithful to the calling of the gospel. See, it's a bit bizarre, isn't it, that in light of Peter's position, what are the church doing? In light of him, maybe one that they look up to, what are they actually doing? Are they plotting, working out how they might get him out? Are they going, sneaking around? What are they actually doing? They're tucked away, hiding, praying. Why? Why would they do that? Because the church, of which Peter is a part, is completely dependent on God for all things. And we've seen that throughout the book of Acts, that even people that we'd raise up as as brilliant evangelists, brilliant apostles, the message was not reliant on their skill and effectiveness, but in all things, dependent on God. A message that is in God's hands. I wonder, in the face of exhausting, trying circumstances, what do you do? When you feel hopeless about the state of our society, when you feel hopeless about the state of your child's school, about what they're being taught, when you feel hopeless about what staff training is going on at work, what is it that you do? What can you do? Will you start by tucked away on your own, and gathered with people at town church, earnestly praying, coming before God, in whom we all depend. And look what he does. Look look at how Peter responds, verse 6. It's remarkable. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter looked down at his situation between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. What's Peter doing? Look down. What is he doing? He was sleeping. Now, I don't know what you're like at sleeping. I know we've got some good sleepers in the room. But that moment that you lie down and put your head on the pillow, so often is the moment that all those worries and concerns come to your mind. They populate your brain. And I know that for some, struggle with sleep will be a clinical issue, and there's plenty of other factors. But here's Peter, the night before being brought to trial, 
where he'd almost certainly have been sentenced to death, being surrounded by soldiers, bound up with chains, with guards at the door. And what's he doing? Sleeping. How can he possibly sleep in a moment like that? Surely because he knows that God is in charge. Why did he continue to speak of Jesus when faced with threats of execution? Surely because he knows that God is in charge. And ultimately the good news of the Lord Jesus is true and of greatest importance. Remember this is Peter who denied Jesus three times. Yet God, in his grace used Peter to build his church. Now, knowing God is in charge doesn't always mean that he'll step in miraculously like he does here. It doesn't even necessarily mean that we'll have good night's sleep. But look, Peter appeared to trust God in his circumstances, his significantly difficult circumstances. And yet he was surprised still by what God did. In this particular instance, God steps in miraculously for the sake of Mission Unstoppable, in order that he would go on building his church. Have a look down, read with me what happens. Verse 7. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Again, in this narrative in Acts, In the context of the message of the gospel being spread by witnesses of the Lord Jesus, God is at work for the sake of his gospel. And of Peter, Jesus says in Matthew 16, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. See, in this moment again, in the bigger picture of Acts, It seems to be that it almost looks like it's hinging on one tiny moment. Peter, the rock on which the church is built, he's in prison. He he looks like he's going to be sentenced to death. And what happens? God continues to build his church. And God will continue to build his church with all kinds of people. So in the face of opposition... For us as individuals, for us as a church, for us as a church in our country, in in the global opposition of the global church, we can be confident and we can trust God because in the face of opposition, he will build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He's shown genuine care and concern for his people, the church. And we must depend on him because it's him that's in control. 
God will build his church with all kinds of people. And to everyone's surprise in our story, nothing will stop it. Look at verse 11. Peter finally came to himself after waking. Seriously heavy sleeper, Peter by the looks of it. He wakes up from his deep sleep. And verse 12, when he worked out what was happening was real, he went to Mary's house. Who, do you notice, Mary isn't grieving the loss of her son, but hosting people praying for Peter. And you get this genius moment. As Peter knocks on the door, Rhoda comes to answer it. You can almost picture this as a comedy sketch. And instead of opening the door to him, she can't quite believe it's really him. So she shoots off to the prayer meeting and says, Peter's here, who in turn, they don't believe it. And so she goes back. So Peter stood there knocking at the door and yet at the same time trying to be quiet not to raise the alarm. Peter has to calm her down, reminding her that he's on the run and says, shh. But he then asks them to tell James what has happened. And that's not, if you look down, that's not James that's just been killed in verse 3. But James, the leader of the Jerusalem church, the brother of Jesus, who writes the book of James. See, it was a surprise to the praying church that Peter just waltz in. It was a surprise. Just how miraculously God had stepped in. But whilst that was a surprise for the praying church, nothing compares to the shock for the opponents of the gospel. Look at verse 18. In the morning understatement of the century coming, there was no small commotion. There was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Now, Roman practice specified that soldiers who lost their prisoners were subject to the very same torture as their prisoners. Since the soldiers then knew their lives were at stake, you can be absolutely sure they wouldn't have fallen asleep on the job. There was plenty of them in the party trying to keep track of Peter. There was no small commotion. I love the way that Luke records that event because the opponents of the gospel message, they couldn't hack the fact that the message was creeping out and there was nothing they could do about it. Look at verse 21. There's Herod, the leader of this motion of persecution against God's people. He was gaining more and more traction with the people and more momentum in opposition to the message of the gospel. So when the people say this is the voice of God, not of man, God's intervention, have a look down, it's pretty swift and it's pretty brutal. I wonder as I read it the first time if you sat up slightly. Look at verse 23. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Wow. But but you see, God, he's consistent in what he's doing, in working to build his church and letting nothing stop it. All the way through the accounts, nothing is stood in the way of this message going out. See the pattern in verse 23 and 24? 24 follows to explain why it was vital that Herod was got rid of. 
But the word of, the, of God continued to spread and flourish. See, it's clear what's going on in the book of Acts. God is at work to save a people for himself. He's at work by the spreading of this gospel message, a message that is now available to all those that will trust in the Lord Jesus. And so for those people, the church, God will continue to guard them. God will continue to sustain them. And God will continue to grow them in number. We get that commentator's insight. As Luke says, the word of God continued to flourish and spread. It's like points through the book of Acts that that it kept going. Acts 1 verse 8, it continued, it was working. This is what God is doing throughout his people as they go out to the ends of the earth. And for the last 2,000 years, God has been at work to save a people for himself, a people from all nations, ethnicities, languages, a people who ultimately accept the news of the Lord Jesus, and he will continue to build his church. There will always be opposition to it, but nothing will stop him. I wonder... As you hear that, will you cling to the message that God has given us by which we are saved? We spend time in God's word reminding yourself of that truth because God's word will continue to spread and flourish. Will you depend on the God who is at work in building his church? Will you entrust your life to him in the face of trials and opposition? Will you hold to the truth of the gospel? Because though there will always be those that oppose it, God will continue to build his church because this is mission unstoppable. Let me pray. Father, please would you help us? Help us in the face of doubt, in the face of trying circumstances, in the face of opposition. Help us to recognise that this is the truth of the gospel. This is your message for lost people like us. And that you, in your grace, will continue to build your church. Lord, please would you help us to build our lives upon you. Amen. Well, we're going to sing together. uh, I will glory in my Redeemer. A few lines from um, the, the verse. Though foes are mighty and rush upon me, my feet are firm held by his grace. Let's sing together. I will glory in my Redeemer. Just to recap, you can stand and sing, but we'd ask that you'd wear a mask. Thank you.